You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. Hey, we've been in a series that we've entitled uh, Hot Takes over the last several weeks together. How many have been enjoying this series? I hope you have. We... um we, we've been in this series where basically you got to pick what we're going to talk about. Back in April, we did, a seri- we did a survey. So what are some things you want to talk about out of God's word? What are the things you're wrestling with? And so we've been tackling those things one at a time. And so uh, the very first week we had Pastor Trey came and preached an incredible message on relationships. We've talked about stress. I came in and talked about that. We had Pastor Michael Murphy all the way from Australia. I've always wanted to preach a message like that the whole way through. There's just something about that preaching. Can you imagine if I was like, come on, church, let's open up Bibles. It just feels good. There you go. You give me that in the background. That's even better. Um, Pastor Michael Murphy came in and preached an incredible message on um, spiritual warfare. Last week, we talked about forgiveness. And I, I had a conversation with so many people after service, um, just talking about how God used that in their life and the things that they were um, kind of hearing from God as we walked through that topic of forgiveness. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about something that I, I actually, if you, if you pull together that survey um, this was actually the number one thing that was requested. People said it in different ways, but here's what everyone was asking is, how do you handle, like, how do you handle discouragement? Like, how do you, how do you handle it when life kind of gives you a sucker punch? How do you, how do you handle it when, the, when it feels like the rug's been pulled out from underneath you? How do you handle it like when, when life doesn't seem to be going in the direction that you thought it would be going at this stage in your life? Come on, you feeling me, anybody? Like, how do you handle it when the pressure's on? How do you, ha- how do you handle it when there's just, there's just disappointment in life? Anyone ever face a little disappointment in life? Come on, if you're with me this morning to encourage everyone around you, you got disappointment in your life a little bit? Can I hear a little amen? little amen, amen. So I think we're in the right place to get into God's word. And I think it's an important subject. And luckily, God has a lot to say about it. So let's pray. Let's lean in. Let's open up our hearts. And let's see what God has to say to us today. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for giving it to us. And God, we want to ask that as we get into your word right now, that your word would get into us. And that you would use it to mold and to shape and to change us. That God, we would leave here having seen you. God, I ask that you would anoint my preaching. You'd help me to communicate, Lord, your word in a way that it comes alive inside of our hearts. But God, I also pray that you'd anoint our hearing, anoint us to hear what it is you desire us to say. We know we're not here in accident. You brought us into this moment on purpose. And so, Lord, speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty. Amen and amen. I might get a little more in this. I don't have to hold it so close. Thanks, guys. A lot. Um, so it sounds like, because of all the questions that have come in, it sounds like a lot of people are dealing with discouragement. And luckily, God's word has a lot to say on how to handle discouragement. So I want you to lean in and genuinely believe that God wants to speak to your heart right now. Because in, in order to get us to understand how to handle discouragement, and this is what I want to do up front. I want to help you understand what, what discouragement actually is. So I need you to hang with me for a little bit and let's talk about what is this thing that we're dealing with, discouragement. Here's where I want to take you. You know, in, in scripture, God calls his people to live by, do you know the answer? Live by, we don't walk by sight, right? We walk by what? Faith. 
Walk by faith, not by sight. How's a Christian meant to live? You're meant to live walking in. Everyone say it with me. Faith. Faith. God asks us to live in this way where we trust him, we walk with him. And if we are going to move into everything God has for our life, it's always going to take, come on, help me, faith. Let me give you another word for that. Courage. Courage. It's just, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. God, I'm going to believe it no matter what. God, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to lean into you. And listen, in order for you to live in everything God has for your life, you're going to need to have some courage in your life. You're going to need to have some faith in your life. You see, because it's faith that helps us move into everything that he has. That's very, very important. It's courage that helps you move into everything God has. You with me so far? Okay, let me help you if you don't believe me yet. Over in the book of Numbers chapter 13, the children of Israel are on the edge of the promised land. Some of you know the story. Moses has been asked by God to lead the children out of slavery and into the promised land. And by the way, there's a lot of us in here today that God is leading out of slavery and into the promised land. God is always leading you into more, okay? And so Moses is called by God to lead the children out of slavery and into the promised land. He's all the way up at the edge of the promised land. And they've watched God do miraculous things, starting with the fact that God said, Moses, I'm going to lead the children of Israel, but I need you to go to the Pharaoh. Remember this story? And so Moses is kind of scared and he's, he's dealing with fear and he's dealing with insecurity and God just speaks to him. God breathes life into him. And finally, Moses musters up enough. Someone say courage courage to go in before the Pharaoh. And he says, he had a speech impediment, everybody. He says, let my people go. And God begins to work miraculously through that moment, through that courage. God brings, as you know, a lot of you know, he brings these plagues upon the, upon the children of, uh, upon the Egyptians. He, he parts the Red Sea. I mean, you're watching God just miraculously move on behalf of the children of Israel. He's providing for the manna in the desert. He's, he's bringing water out of rocks. Like God is just showing up in every way. And now all of a sudden they get their, themselves all the way to the edge of the promised land. And they say, you ready, Moses? You ready to go in? But instead of Moses and the children of Israel having enough courage to move into the promised land, they decide and said, well, here's what we should do. We should send some spies into the land. Just kind of check it out before we go there. Come on, can I just help you out real quick? If God tells you that's your land and you get up to the edge of that land, then you march with all courage into that land, amen? But no, 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 we gotta send in some spies. We gotta check it out. So they send the spies in the land, the spies go in the land, they come back out of the land and, and they're carrying with them like some fruit from the land, like grapes. They got these, and I always picture in my, in my mind that, you know, there's, I'm carrying these things on like on the shoulder. Like they got a big, this big old massive thing of grapes. We found all these grapes in the promised land. It truly is what God said it was. You guys, it's amazing. But that was only a couple of them. Because some of the others said, well, but hold up. Not only is there fruit in the land and greatness in the land, but there's fortified cities in the land. And there's giants in the land. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? The fear began to win out. And the people who once were maybe filled with some courage, all of a sudden became discouraged. And in their discouragement state, discouragement to state, they chose not to move into the promised land. And here's what God did. God was so taken back by their lack of faith and by their lack of courage 
that he actually sent them to wander in the desert for 40 years. And because of their lack of courage and their lack of faith, they were, ever, they were actually never able to enter into the very promised land that God had promised to give them in the first place because they lacked the faith. They allowed fear to win out. Courage was not there. Discouragement ruled the day. All of a sudden, you fast forward. And Joshua now has the mantle. Joshua's being asked to move into the promised land. Joshua's being asked to lead the children into the land that God promised to give them. And Joshua is, is remembering the, the reports of all the, 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 all the greatness in the land. But he's also remembering the reports of the, of the fortified cities. And he's remembering the, 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 the reports that he've heard of, of all these giants in the land. And he's standing there and God comes to encourage him. And here's what God says to him in Joshua chapter one, verse nine. He says, have I not commanded you to be strong and, some will say courageous. courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why is God telling him to be strong and courageous? Because in order for him to do everything God is calling him to do, in order for him to move into all the land that God is calling him to move into, in order for you to live in everything God desires for you to live in, to experience everything God desires for you to experience, you're going to need some courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Courage. Courage. Courage is the, it's the confidence to not quit. Courage is what keeps us moving forward in the face of uncertainty, the face of adversity, suffering, or anything that would come up against us. You see, and discouragement sets in when you choose to diss your courage. I'm gonna diss courage. I'm gonna shut down courage. I'm going to, listen, I'm going to squelch my faith. That's what discouragement is. If courage is, let's take it on, let's go, let's trust God, let's believe him. Discouragement is when you do not allow courage to rule the day. You're choosing instead to allow fear to rule the day. Everyone follow me so far. Your faith is extinguished. See, and a lack of confidence is going to attempt to prevent you from living in all that God has for you. And here's what we need to talk about. In your life, you at times are going to be up against some discouragement. You at times are going to find your courage ripped out from underneath you, your faith doused. And here's the question, friends. What do you do when that happens in your life? What is it lately that's caused you to be discouraged? I mean, for some of us, maybe it's a, a recent loss. Maybe it's, a, it's a, a lack of direction, lack of purpose. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe, maybe you're not where you thought you would be. Maybe a relationship is discouraging you. A relationship has gone awry. Maybe, maybe you've stepped out and it hasn't worked out in the way you hoped. Like, what is causing the discouragement in your life? Some of us, some of us have actually allowed our discouragement to lead us to a place of depression, where you just kind of have this dull ache inside no matter what's going on. You just kind of feel like there's a weight on you and you find yourself in this place of discouragement. Your courage is gone. Your faith is gone. And fear is ruling the day because of whatever the circumstances might be. Here's a couple things I need you to know. The first one is this, listen, is you're not alone. Anytime you've ever been in that place where you feel discouraged and you feel like you can't move on and you, you just feel lost and you feel hurt and you don't know what to do. Anytime you've been in that spot, I need you to understand this. You're not alone. 
Like there are others. You're sitting with some people all around you that are either in it right now, have walked through it recently, or have something coming up that's going to discourage them. And you need to remember, don't let the enemy lie to you and say, you're the only one. Like, you're, you feel that way? Oh, man, you must be, you must be different somehow. You, you don't have your stuff together somehow. Man. Like, everyone else is doing just fine. I mean, have you not looked at Instagram lately? They're doing great. What are you doing being discouraged? No, no, listen. Everybody, at some point in their life, at multiple points in their life, is going to be discouraged. You know, it's actually really hard to move through Scripture and find any kind of biblical character that has done anything amazing that hasn't at some point wrestled with some bout of discouragement. It's really hard to find an example of somebody who hasn't dealt with some kind of bout of discouragement in their life. Think of Moses. He was discouraged. Think about, can you imagine, anyone heard of Job? Talk about being a little discouraged in his life, right? He moves through some discouragement. Uh, We know you just go on and on. Uh, David, Joshua. Think about Elijah. Some of you know the story of Elijah. Elijah is so discouraged, he's off hiding in a cave. And he's praying, like, God, just take my life. He was at the point where he didn't even know if it was worth living. He was so discouraged. Think about the disciples you think the disciples were discouraged a little bit on the day that Jesus gave his life on the cross? None of it made sense. They looked around and went, this don't make sense. I'm so discouraged. It says that they all went their separate ways because they were so discouraged. They got sucker punched. The, the air was taken out of their lungs. They just didn't even know what to do. So I need you to understand this, friends. You're not alone. Matter of fact, I'll challenge you with this. It's often the greatest stories of victory that come off the greatest stories of discouragement. So you look at the great discouragement in scripture and it's always setting them up for great victories. I need you to reframe your discouragement. See, the very place where you, the place that's the source of your greatest discouragement can actually become the place of your greatest victory if you learn, come on, to let God meet you in the midst of your discouragement. It's okay to be there. That's what I'm trying to say. It's okay to be discouraged. Everyone's going to be there. It's okay to be there, but it's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to live there. It's not okay to operate from that place of discouragement on a constant basis. And I want to help you today. If that's you, if you're living there, I just want to help you today. I want to help, I want to help, I want to help lift your head. I want, I want you to understand that God is, God is for you, that He's with you, that, that God, God wants to help you move forward, that God's, God's not, not, not going to ever abandon you. I just want to help today. I want you to leave today with a little extra spring in your step because you, you learn to just encourage yourself in the Lord. Listen to what scripture says in Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah 41.10 says this. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know why I bring up this scripture? It's the very scripture God gave Tatum and I when we moved to Redlands to plant Citizens Church. Do you know how that story goes? Everybody wants to tell the story of we moved in faith, and then we did this in faith, and we did that. We moved to Redlands in faith. I woke up the next day and went, what the heck did we just do? I cannot, but are we crazy? We're a little crazy, Tatum. I'll tell you the real story. 
We sat for weeks. We cried and ate grapes almost every single day, going, what did we just do? We were discouraged. We, we gave up everything. We're, we're in a house that we could barely afford the rent on, wondering, wondering which way's up. And we're, we're hurting, we're hurting. And we open up scripture and God says, listen, fear not. I am with you. Be not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Like you're not alone. And all over scripture, God just wants to encourage you. Deuteronomy 31.8. Deuteronomy 31.8 says this. The Lord himself goes before you. He'll be with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So I want to teach you how to fuel your faith today. I want to, I want to, I want to help you lift your head because God wants to lift your head. Because ultimately, here's what we after. Come on, listen. God wants to tell more stories through your life that give him more glory through your life. God wants to tell the world just how good he is. God wants to show off a little bit through you. And you know how that happens? It's when you let God tell the stories through your life because you're going to live your life in courage. You're going to live your life trusting him. So in those moments of discouragement, here's some things that I, that I think God wants to teach you to rely on. Some things God wants to teach you to lean on. You ready? Write these down. And this is the first one. You find yourself discouraged. I want to encourage you in this. His mercy. Ready? Tagline. God don't quit. His mercy. God don't quit. You know, usually when we talk about mercy, mercy typically, we think of God's mercy as God withholding judgment. Right? right? God not giving us what we deserve. Does that make sense, everybody? So like, God, give me what I deserve. This is the fires of hell, by the way. That's what we deserve, right? God in his mercy does not give us what we deserve. And that's true. That's what mercy is. God not giving us what we deserve. But do you know that there's actually so much more to mercy? Mercy is actually much bigger than that. The word is aleos. And here's what it means. It means to care for and rescue the afflicted regardless of what they may deserve. It means to look after people no matter where they are. It means to help people no matter what situation they find themselves in. It means to go after people no matter how lost they are. To help people navigate no matter where they might have found themselves. Eleos, to rescue people regardless of what they deserve. And so Psalm 103, you see that his mercy is tied to his forgiveness and his healing, his, his provision, his patience, his guidance, his renewal of our strength. And all of these things are provided for us on the basis of Psalm 103.10. It says this, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. I don't deserve patience, but I get it. I don't deserve guidance, but I get it. I don't deserve renewal, but I get it. Why? Listen very close. Because God is merciful. And sometimes I think we get discouraged because we don't understand. God is merciful. Because if you don't understand that God is merciful, you think, well, this is it. It's all over. I guess it's all done. I guess, I guess there's just too much to deal with. I guess there's too much suffering. There's too much failure. There's too much damage. There's too much hurt. There's too much time passed. I'm too old. I'm too... When you understand God is merciful, you understand this. There's never too much. 
Why? Because I have a God who in mercy is always looking to make a way even when it seems like there is no way. That's what mercy does. He rescues the afflicted and the hurt no matter what they might deserve, no matter where they find themselves. So listen, no matter where you are today, I can tell you this, you've got a merciful God who is looking to make a way today, who's fighting on your behalf. I don't think you still believe me, church. Think about the cross for a second. What was taking place at the cross? At the cross, God was flexing his mercy. What was he showing us? Well, here we have a group of people who can do nothing on their own, who are separated from God, who are going to live that way for all their life, who, who can't do anything about it. There's nothing you can do about the separation that our sin caused, nothing at all. And so what happens? God says, I'm not going to let it be that way. We're not going to let it stay that way. I'm going to find a way to turn the page. I'm going to find the way to tell a better story. I'm going to find a way to bring him home. And God, in his mercy, sent Jesus. And Jesus on the cross gave his life for us so that we can be forgiven and step into brand new life with him. That's what scripture's talking about when he talks about his mercy. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by his grace you have been saved. You see that? I was stuck. I was lost. I was hurt. It was hopeless. He stepped in. He intervened. His mercy flexed. And now I'm saved. His mercy. So listen, here's what's happening. In every situation that you're in right now, you need to understand this because of God's mercy. There is never too much. There's just always too little. So you, you go, there's too much. Like, like there, there, there's too much failure. No, 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 no. There's too little faith. There, there, there's too much hurt. No, no, no. Too little hope. There's too much damage. No, friend, there's too little courage. Because you see, friends, there's never too much for God's mercy to handle. There's no situation that his mercy can't work out. I'm telling you what, friends, if God in his mercy brought Jesus up from the grave, don't you think he can handle any situation you're facing in life? If his mercy can handle death itself, don't you think mercy can handle whatever it is you might find yourself walking through today? You guys, there's never too much. There's often just too little, too little faith, too little trust, too little just leaning in to God. And I just want you to understand, friends, today that whenever you find yourself discouraged, there is a merciful God waiting to meet with you. And if you meet him at the point of his mercy, that mercy will always make a way. Someone say he's merciful. He's merciful. So I could be encouraged today because he's merciful. I'm going to hang on to his mercy. But you know what else we need to hang on to? Here's where a lot of people get discouraged. It's because they don't understand his timing. Someone say timing. Timing, timing. You didn't want to talk about this, did you? See, I think we get discouraged and we give up hope because we don't understand God's timing. See, we expect, because we live in a fast-paced, fast-food, microwave society, we expect God just to work overnight. Matter of fact, we often say, you know, you know it was God because it just happened like that. We, we expect if God's in it, then boom, it happens. No, no. Can I tell you how God works? He don't like to microwave anything. It's called the crock pot, baby. You remember a crock pot? Come on, some of you still, I remember growing up, mom cooking in the crock pot. 
And when she cooked in the crock pot, it took forever. She would start it in the morning. You come home smelling it like, oh my goodness, I need. You come home from school and you want a little bit. She could get your fingers out of the crock pot. I'm always in there trying to like take some meat. She said, it's not done yet. I'm like, how could it not be done yet? It's been going since we left this morning. How could it not be done yet? The crock pot, you see, it cooks it slow. It cooks it all together. And matter of fact, it makes it better. I tell you what, there is no fast food microwave meal you could hold up to a crock pot. It tastes so much better coming out of the crock pot. And some of you are going, God, I need you to, I need you to microwave my life. I need you to, God, could you just, could you microwave my next season? Could you, could you get me out of it? No, no, no. God, God says this, look, look, I'm a, I'm a crock pot God. And you need to understand that. Come on. He's going to, he's going to crock pot this season. He's going to crock pot your next raise. He's going to crock pot that next breakthrough. God's, God's going to crock pot it. Like, God, why are you crock pot? It's just better when it's in the crock pot. And can I tell you why? Here's what a lot of people don't understand. It's because God does something. Can I show it to you? Exodus 3.11. Here's what God does. Exodus 3.11. He makes everything beautiful. Look at me, everybody. He's going to make everything beautiful. Do you believe it? Say amen. You don't believe it. If you believe it, say amen. He makes everything beautiful. You like to stop there. He makes everything beautiful. 30 second go. In his time. You see, God has timing. There's a timetable. There's, there's something he's doing with this moment that he's using to prepare you for the next moment. And if, follow me, if you try, okay, okay, I'll say it like this. Many of us are living with a vision of our life that is bigger than our current reality in life. Would you agree with me on that? Like, I'm living with a vision of my life that is bigger than my current reality in life. And because that's true, here's what happens. We find ourselves living in this season when we really want to be in that season. Anybody with me? Like, and so here's what happens is that there's this frustration. You see, vision is a good thing. Dreaming about tomorrow is a good thing. But the problem is, is that so many of us go running after that season without letting God finish his work in this season. And we end up in a season that we're not prepared to carry. Why? Because we didn't let God develop everything I needed for that season. In this season, I try to shortchange the season and get myself into this season. And now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I find myself flat back on my face and having to go back into this season, complaining why I can't be in that season. And all the while, God is just trying to teach me in this season. You see, God has this thing called timing. And if you're not careful, it will always discourage you because I think I, I, I should be there. Can I help you real quick? If God has you where you are, it's because God wants you where you are. If God has you where you are, in this season, it's because he wants to do something in you through this season. And if you don't let God do what he desires to do in you in this season, you will never be able to handle the next season. But so many of us get impatient. We, we rail against what God is wanting to do. We, we fight and we complain. We, we, we try to take shortcuts. We, we focus on getting noticed instead of developing character. Instead of letting God work in me, I let bitterness start to take root in me. And I, I'm just tempted to run ahead of God. 
But friends, it doesn't have to be like that. Don't be discouraged. God's got his eye on you right now in this season you're in. But I, I want that seed. I want, I want to be promoted. I want to be married. I want to be, I want to be living there. I want, I, I, want, I want that raise and I want that thing. Okay, 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 okay. It's, just, it's okay to dream and pray. But put your head down and work. Walk with God in this season. You see, realize you can embrace the season and grow in the season. And if you don't embrace and grow in this season, you might never see the next season. I can't tell you how many people think King David, like David was anointed king and then the next day woke up and just was king. That's what a lot of people think. Like if I was to take a survey right now, how many think David was anointed king and the next day he started a king? A lot of that sounds right. Like that sounds right. <laughs> Let me help you. David was anointed king at the age of 16. Okay, so get the picture. Remember, Samuel comes in and anoints him king. So watch, David smells like king. He's got the anointing oil on him. David knows he's king. David, David's been called to be king. He's walking around with that on his life at the age of 16. Do you know when he actually became king? 30. 30. Well, what was he doing between age 16 and 30? What was going on in those 14 years of his life? Can I tell you what God was doing in those 14 years? He was preparing King David to be king someday. And if David railed against all that God wanted to do in him, he never would have seen what God wanted to do in him. So what did David have to do? He had to let God work in him in those 14 years. Do you know how God prepared him to be king? What was he doing? He was taking care of sheep, not glamorous. He was, he was running from Saul, who's trying to kill him, cave to cave. He was, he was just trusting God in every circumstance, in every situation. He was letting God work in him, letting God grow him. And when the day came for David to be king, he was a good king. Why? Because he had been well prepared by God. He had learned to trust God in the caves, and therefore he could trust God with the kingdom. He learned how to trust God with the sheep in the pasture. Therefore, he could trust God with the sheep of the children of Israel. You see, God was preparing him. And there's no shortcut for that, friends. There's a humility that says, God, I'm going to trust you in it. So, so where does God have you right now? Let me help you. Don't be discouraged. God does not waste a season of your life. He uses every season to prepare you for the next season. And your faithfulness in this season is going to set you up for that season. He wastes nothing. And you can be encouraged today knowing God's up to something. Someone say, God's up to something. God's up to something. So you're discouraged today. Let me help you. God's merciful. He doesn't quit. He's looking to make a way. God's got this thing called timing, and you need to know that all things are beautiful in his time. Can I give you another one? You need his mercy. You need his timing. You also need his people. You know when you get discouraged, you're going to need God's people? I love what Colossians chapter two says. Colossians chapter two says this. Colossians two, two says, but Paul's praying. He says, I pray that their hearts may be encouraged. This is what we're talking about today. I'm, I, my prayer for you is to be encouraged. How does that happen? Being knit together in love. The people of God are gonna be encouraged. How? There's gonna have to be some knitting. See, we think that church is all about sitting. Church isn't all about sitting, everybody. It's about knitting 
We don't just sit together. Come on. We knit together. Pastor Chris, I don't even know if I should say amen. What in the world are you talking about? Now, I'm not a professional knitter, but here's what I know. This isn't really knit. I made this in the back, but you're going to... Here's what I know. Is that a piece of yarn all by itself is not really that impressive. I'm going to encourage you today. Ready? This isn't all that impressive. But this is how a lot of us want to live. Just leave me alone. Here's what your life looks like. All alone. And by yourself, you're not really that impressive. But if you, if you knit this yarn with some other pieces of yarn, knitting, what happens in knitting? They, they get all close with each other. They get all wound up into each other's lives. They, they start doing life together. They start working together. And all of a sudden, this little piece of yarn, as it, as it weaves itself and knits itself with other pieces of yarn, becomes, well, it could become anything. You talk to, you talk to people who knit, and they would tell you that the options are limitless. Like, you, you, what do you need? I could turn this yarn into anything you need. You, need. you need a beanie? Got you. You need a shirt? Got you. You need some little booties? Got you. What do you need? You see, because on your own, there's not, just, there's not a whole lot you can do. But when you're knit together, the potential is limitless, right? That's free. Let me give you this. So what I'm after is not only is potential limitless, and potential increases, but so does its strength. Here's how a lot of us are living. Watch. Your life right now has tension on it. All of our lives have tension on it. There's things you're walking through. There's things you're thinking. There's pressures you're facing. And you're just, you're just facing the tension. And you think and somehow you've been convinced, I just got to do it on my own. By the way, any thought that tells you you've got to do this on your own, any thought that pushes you out of community into isolation is from the pit of hell. It's from Satan himself. Satan pushes you out of community and into isolation. Why? He wants to get you here by yourself where you're feeling the pressure. And you know what happens is you feel the pressure by yourself. You can't handle it. And all of a sudden, you're just going in life, and, and, it just, and then you, okay, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it back together. I'm just going to, I'm going to keep trying, and, and, make, and maybe, maybe if I, maybe if I, if I could, and you're, you're here, listen, I'm trying to tell you something, friends. You could only handle so much on your own, and, and, and you're always at breaking point when you're on your own. You're always discouraged when you're on, on your own. You're, 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 it's always just, it's, you end up in pieces when you're on your own, but you want some encouragement? I'm going to tell you where you get it. It's, you just get to knit, knit together with some others. So you get around others, and all of a sudden, that same pressure that's pulling on your life, come on, that, that, same, that same thing you've been walking through, that same thing that broke you last time, that same thing that, that wiped you out when, when, you, when you were by yourself, all of a sudden, man, I got, I, I'm not coming alone to this. I've got God's people with me in this. And now, all of a sudden, together, we can sustain more than we ever could alone. And that's how God intends for you to live. You want to be encouraged? Come on, you're going to need God's mercy. And you're going to understand his timing. But you're also going to need God's people. You're going to need to get knit together with God's people. And listen, that's what we are talking about all the time. I want you to live an encouraged life. And I know you're not going to do it in isolation. Okay, I'm just going to peel back the veil and talk to you about some things we do at Citizens Church. You know, we do these things called crews. How many of you in a crew? Let me hear from you right now. Come on, in a crew, in a crew, in a crew, right? We love our crews. Now, see, you thought you, thought you were joining the, like, a, like a men's Bible study crew. 
You thought you were joining a parenting crew, and you thought you were joining a fishing crew. You thought you were joining fill-in-the-blank, this is my crew. I want to help you out. You ain't in no men's crew. You're in a knitting crew. You are knitting together. That's what's happening in your crew. Tay and I are doing a parenting crew. You know what's happening? We're knitting together. We're knitting together. We're doing life together. We're moving ourselves from being alone to being together. Teams. You know why we talk about teams so much? We do our next steps, trying to get people on team. It's not just because, it's like, oh, they, they must have a lot of things they need to do at Citizens Church. That's not it at all, everybody. Like, it's not that we, something we need from people. It's what we want for people. Why? Because that's not just a parking team, and that's not just a kids team, and it's not just a production team, and a worship team, and it's not just a, a, a host team, and a, come on, where's our connect team, and our, we love our refresh team. How about our coffee team, everybody? Come on. But it's not just about the coffee team, that's really actually a knitting team. And what happens is when you're on a team, you start just doing life with people and you, you feel the strength. Why? Because I am being knit together with others. I'm gonna need some others. You need to understand that there's a direct correlation between your level of encouragement and your level of engagement with God's people. If you're disengaged, you will be discouraged. If you engage, you become encouraged, and you need to understand that. And I'm going to throw this in here. Listen, before I move on to the last point. It's being knit together with God's people. Some say God's people. God's people. God's people. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have friends outside the church or friends that don't love Jesus or friends. I mean, you, you should. Jesus, it says, was a friend of sinners. Here's what I am saying, is that there is... There is something you get from God's people that you can't get from any other people. That when, when, when you are just throwing your life into the, into the sports team or into this music scene or into that, I'm, I'm telling you, that's great. You have those friendships, but they cannot give you what God intends to give you because what God intends to give you, you can only get in the context of these people. You see, you need these people. Something happens. There's something happens that doesn't happen anywhere else when you bring God's people together. This one's filled with the Spirit of God, and this one's filled with the Spirit of God, and we get together, we start talking about God, we start leaning into each other, and there is just a different dynamic in the air that you won't find anywhere else. And those are the people you need in your corner. Those are the people you need in your life. Come on, if you're with me, say amen. Amen? Like, we need his people. So you come here discouraged today. You lift your eyes. Because your God is merciful. He doesn't quit. Because he's got some timing in mind. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't abandoned you. He's going to put some people around you to encourage you. Can I give you one more as the worship team comes up? What, write this down. I can be encouraged because what I need to remember when I'm discouraged is his presence his presence. Nothing beats God's presence. There's no substitute for God's presence. You know, I love what God tells Joshua as he's on the edge of the promised land in Joshua 9. Do you remember what he said to Joshua? He said, Joshua, haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Okay, God, don't be afraid. Don't discourage. How, how am I supposed to? How am I supposed to get over my discouragement? How am I supposed to get over my fear? Jesus said, we said, for the Lord your God 
will be with you. He'll be with you. Listen, everybody. He's going to be with you wherever you go. Where have you gone? Come on, where have you gone? Where are you at? What's, what's going on in your life? What, what, what situation you find? You say, where, where, can I tell you something right now in the authority of God's word? You're not alone. He's with you in that moment. And who's with you changes everything for you. He's not abandoned you. Joshua, I'm not abandoned. He's saying, I, I haven't abandoned you. I know you feel overwhelmed, but I want to remind you that I'm with you every step of the way. I'm not going to leave you, Joshua. I'm not going to forsake you, Joshua. And it's same is true for you and I as well. And it's critical that we understand that because it reminds me of the context in which I live. I don't live and you don't live in the context of the chaos. You don't live in the context of the circumstance or, or the situation. You, you don't live in, in, the, in the context of what's overwhelming you right now or all the uncertainties. You don't even live in the context of your own strength. You live in the context of a God who is with you every single step of the way, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the uncertainty, the, in the middle of the lack of clarity, in the middle of, God is with you in that. That's your context, everybody. God is with me. You think about Paul the apostle, right? I think you look at him and go, he's a man who's constantly just faith. How did Paul have so much faith? I think Paul understood that God was a merciful God. I think that Paul understood that no matter what was going on in his life, God was going to use that thing in his life to, to perform his will in his life. I mean, think about this real quick. Paul's in prison. You put me in prison and I'm just as like, God doesn't love me anymore. God, where are you? God, God, you abandoned me. You put Paul in prison. He's like, okay, here's what I know. God is merciful. He's doing something. God's got timing. If he's got me here behind these bars, I know my God is big enough to take down those bars. But if God has me behind these bars, it's because he's using me in this circumstance. He's doing something. Somebody bring me parchment. I feel like writing a letter. You know, we, we read God's word because Paul was in prison having the faith to go, God's going to use this. I'm going to write some letters. You put me in prison, you wouldn't have any scripture. I'd just be sitting there complaining and crying. But Paul believed God. God's got timing. Paul kept around himself some people. And do you know what he also did when he's in prison? He pressed into God's presence, rested in God's presence. You see, God is with you. But here's the question we need to ask ourselves continually. He's walking with me, but am I walking with him? Like he's walking with me, but am I slowing down in life enough to just hear from him, lean into him, seek after him, like get direction from him? Because although we talk about community a whole bunch at Citizens Church, you need to understand this. Community can only take you so far. There is ministry you need that only God can give you. There are answers you need that only God can give you. There, there, there's a strength that you need that only God can provide you. And until you learn that God's not just walking with me, I need to learn to walk with God, then friends, you will always lack the things that God desires to give you. You've got to find yourself in his presence, in his presence. I've got to get in his presence. Scripture says this in Psalm 16. Scripture says, you've made known to me the paths of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Citizens Church, will you stand to your feet with me for a second?
What's discouraging you today? What has made it feel like the rug's been pulled out from underneath you? What, what have you been, what's been keeping you up at night? What have you been wrestling with? What have you been carrying? Listen, I know, I know you've been trying to hold it all together. I, I know you've been trying to have it all figured out. I, I, I know you've been trying to work it all out, but here's what I wanna ask you to do this morning. I wanna ask you just to take a big, deep breath and realize that God's not asking you to try to have it all figured out. God's not trying to, God's not asking you to get it all worked out. He's just asking you to trust him. He's just asking you to rely on him. God is asking you, listen, here's what you need to do today, is to rest in him. Come on, you gotta just take a big deep breath and go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rest in his mercy. He's not quitting on me. I'm gonna rest, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rest in his timing. If it hasn't happened yet, well guess what? I know that I don't need it yet because I trust him. And you see, if God, I'm gonna just, God, what are you doing in this? I'm gonna, I'm gonna rest in this season, in this, I'm gonna rest in God's people. I'm gonna start to lean in and build relationships. And I'm gonna learn to rest in his presence. And if you could learn, you find yourself doing that, I tell you what, you take a big, deep breath, and you just know it's all going to be okay. I want to read this scripture over one last time. Deuteronomy 31. Come on, this is for somebody. Matter of fact, why don't you do this for me? I, you just close your eyes for a second. And let me just read this to you. Just take this in. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. What's your them today? Come on, what's your them? The diagnosis, the new circumstance, the situation, the, the place where you feel stuck. Like, what's your them today? Here's what God says to you. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. But God, how? What am I supposed to do? Remember this. The Lord your God goes with you. He's with you. He's with you. And he will never leave you or forsake you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. And God, we love you and we thank you, Jesus, that you are with us. We thank you that you go before us. We thank you come in behind us. God, we thank you that although the world can try to throw whatever it does at us, that we find ourselves in places of discouragement from time to time. God, we thank you that you don't leave us there. You provide your mercy, your timing, your people, and your presence. And God, today we choose to take a big, deep breath and just trust you, rely on you, lean into you. Keep working, God, in our midst. Keep showing yourself. And we just want to let go of all those things that we've been trying to hold on to and so worried about and say that we trust you. With your heads bending, eyes closed, listen. I want to pray over any of you that came in here today feeling a little discouraged. Could I just pray over you today that God would lift your head, that God would just help you live out the things that we've learned today? Come on, if that's you, you came in here today and you say, Pastor Chris, would you pray over me? Would you just lift your hand right now in this moment? Come on, that's you. Come on, hands everywhere and here. Hands, hands, hands. I'm going to pray over you in a minute. Just lift your hand nice and high. Saying, God, I need you to help me. God, for everyone that has their hand lifted right now, 
They're reaching out to you saying, God, I need your help. God, I need you to intervene. God, I need you to show up. And Lord, in this moment, what they're choosing to do is to take a big, deep breath and trust in the fact that you love them, that you're with them, that you've never left them or forsake them. God, your eye is on them. You're still working in their circumstance. You're working in their situation. They're still breathing. And God, you're still working. You haven't given up on them. And, and God, I just want to pray that you would lift their eyes to meet with you today. Whatever the circumstance or situation might be, God, you are bigger than that circumstance. And you're going to lead them through it. I think of, I, of the book, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 23, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I thank you, God, that you are going to lead your children through. And so, God, with that in mind, I pray that they would leave here with a little extra pep in their step, God, just knowing that, God, you're working in it somehow. It's all going to be okay. Because, God, you're on their side. And as Scripture said, if God is for us, if God is for us, then who can be against us? I also want to pray for any of you this morning who've come in here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've been out trying to do this thing on your, whole, on your own this whole time. You know, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. The wages of that sin is death. It's a separation from God in the here and now that will last for all eternity if not dealt with in the here and now. Some of you have never dealt with that sin in your life, and I want to give you an opportunity to do that before you leave. You've not dealt with that separation. Your heart is craving a relationship with God, and I want to invite you in to that relationship today. Listen, I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer if that's you. And you're repeating prayer after me. You're meeting your heart. God's going to come and touch and change your life today. Would you pray with me? Here's what you say. Tell him, say, God, God, I thank you that you love me right where I am but I know that you've got more for me. And so today, I choose to surrender my life to you. I thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross on my behalf and giving your life in my place so that I can be forgiven. God, would you forgive me today? Would you wash me today? Would you cleanse me? And I thank you, Jesus, for rising again from the grave to lead me into life. Would you fill me now with your spirit and help me to walk with you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty. Come on, church. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate with all those that made that decision today? Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Gotta, gotta keep on.